San Francisco. Oh. When I say these words, it feels like home because I've spent so many years there and uh, I've lived there with my family. I've lived there with uh, my wife, future wife, my fiance. Uh, the city means so much to me. It's, it's, it's a great city, amazing and awful at the same time. Uh, I won't go into details right now why it's awful, but uh, today we're going to talk about three myths that every about San Francisco that every software developer, offshore software developer needs to know about before either moving to the city or uh, feeling inspired to move into the city because honestly, uh, it surprises me how many people are still trying to get to San Francisco when they're service providers or when they're uh, engineers. I mean... Yeah, let's talk about those things. But before we do that, please don't forget to subscribe, hit the like button, share. Because if you work in tech and if you're a, or if you're a service provider, like you do business development for your app development company or any other software company that wants to sell its services to the VIP US companies in 2019 and beyond, make sure to subscribe to my channel, my YouTube, this podcast, and uh, just you know check the website or the main blog. It's raisingaunicorn.com because I will be posting a lot of the stuff that will be uh, interesting for you and will probably help you sell to the VIP companies and sell better and basically just acquire the culture of selling in the U.S. if you're not in the U.S. If you are in the U.S., you still need to acquire that culture of selling to your local companies because it's amazing how, uh, you know, how small the attention, you know, attention to details uh, is among uh, our fellow software developers and other companies. Attention to details related to business development rules, to uh, relationship building and all that stuff. So, yeah, we're ready. Let's roll. I love San Francisco. I have lived there a good part of my conscious life, and uh, if you're looking at the picture that I've posted along with this with this uh, episode, you see this view. It's gorgeous, right? It's amazing. I mean, when you're on that hill, uh, you just cross the Golden Gate Bridge, and you're on that hill. That's one of the spots where everyone gets to. Like, they just want to take the snap from this point. Because, you know, the city looks amazing from there. This view, uh, you know, it's it's unbelievable. Like, you got to be there to understand how gorgeous it is. Because, you know, on this picture, you only see, uh, you know, a very, very small portion of you. What you actually see, because on the right side, there is open Pacific Ocean. And on the left side, there is Sausalito and Tiburon. And uh, across the bay, if it's a clear day, you see Oakland and... Uh, all this, like Berkeley and all the cities next to it. And uh, on the right side, like just like I said, you see another part of the city, uh, the Sunset District, the uh, uh, the Presidio, and uh, you see Pacific Ocean with all those, you know, all those gorgeous ships and stuff like that. But uh, this view has become a commodity to me. After living in the city for so many years, it has become a commodity. Like I could get on the hill any time of the day and snap this picture. Like if I wanted to, I mean, I imagine myself then, uh, you know, on the outside. And I was on the outside. I was I was born in Ukraine, so I've always been dreaming about uh, 
coming to San Francisco or the United States as a whole. Of course, I was thinking about New York, but then I got to San Francisco, just like everyone else. I got into technology and uh, space. And, and of course, like, what's the city that you want to go to? Well, of course, it's San Francisco because all the tech companies are there, right? Uh, and we had some of the clients from San Francisco even before I lived in San Francisco, and uh, that was a natural choice. I have to say, though, it took years, years of struggle to process the city through every cell of my brain and my body to, uh, you know, from loving it to hating it to loving it eternally, but not being a fan of living in the city anymore and not being a fan of raising a family there, even though it's counterintuitive when you actually, you know, look at the data, look at how much it actually offers and how rich it is uh, nature-wise, money-wise, architecture-wise, culture-wise, and all that stuff. But, I mean, there are certain certain things that just don't work with me and my family. Uh, but, it, I mean, it will forever feel like home. The point is that I know that from many software companies from the outside, from Ukraine, Belarus, Russia, you know, Slovakia, Slovenia, Germany, Belgium, France, Italy, uh, seeing this view and being in the city is like a dream come true, right, folks? You're looking at this picture and thinking, fuck, I want to be on that hill right now. If I, if I only could be on that hill right now, oh my God. I would turn the world upside down. I mean, even for for companies, I mean, I know a lot of companies from uh, from Texas and from Oklahoma who never 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 went to San Francisco, even though you know it's just one flight away and there's there are no restrictions. But they never went. And when they look at the picture, they think, "Fuck, we need to be in the city." And it's gorgeous. It's it's great, not just for its beauty, but for what it represents in the tech community. Right? It's like a dream come true. Like like I said. They think that just being in San Francisco is enough to start making it big in tech. And that's where the first catch is waiting for us because many believe that once they set their foot in the city, the following things will happen. First, clients will be stopping you in the streets and ask you to sign contracts right there. Oh yeah, I mean... It's crazy, but I know a lot of people who actually think that, that they, you know, they think that concentration of clients, of prospects and leads uh, just in the streets and restaurants and bars and networking events is so high that just by getting into the city and going into those networking events, those free pizza events, those uh, co-working spaces and, and shit like that, just doing that will land you you know, a fat contract that will last forever and you will be golden. No, that shit will not happen to you. Trust me, it's not. It's not going to happen. What's going to happen instead is if you go to all those events and bars and stuff, well, first of all, you're going to spend a lot of money, right? Because the city is one of the most expensive cities in the world, not just in the US, but in the world. And second, uh, you will meet a lot of uh, lookalikes, you will meet a lot of people from outside, uh, from all parts of the world, trying to do the same thing you are trying to do. It's amazing how, I mean, sometimes it's just ridiculous. It's, it's ironic. It's, you know, it's ridiculous. It's, it's silly. It's funny. When you get to a networking event and you paid money, like you, you know, you paid a hundred bucks for the ticket, for example, and that's pretty expensive, right? 
uh, for, for a small company, I mean, for a regular person, it's, it's a lot of money. You pay in hopes that once you get into the Moscow Center or wherever it's taking place, you will meet a lot of prospects. And you, I mean, just by talking to them, you will be able to, you know, somehow offer your services and, and land a contract. Well, it doesn't really happen that way at all. Instead, all those events look the same. There's a panel of, uh, you know, some prominent tech enthusiasts or, you know, multimillionaires or some startup guys who, you know, just raised capital and they're sharing their advice and stuff like that. And in the audience, there's like a bunch of people like you from companies who either, you know, are developing their product and they're hoping to meet, uh, you know, an investor or service providers who are hoping to sell their services to those startup guys or uh, just, you know, regular businesses who happen to attend this event. But at the end of the day, like if you look at the numbers, it's probably like 90% of those people are are your competitors and 10%, I mean, maybe represent, you know, some other industries or could potentially be your prospects, but it's not, I mean, you're never going to sell anything at those events. I mean, if you're selling a a service, right? A product, maybe if if it's a, if it's the right event. Like if you're uh, if you have a security related, for example, security related product, and you're in the security conference, and there are a lot of you know companies who share their experiences with uh, you know different security products, then you could just be you know one in the line, and uh, you know you could find the right target and uh, offer to test drive your product. I mean, that's totally possible, but. We're talking today mostly about service providers, about app development companies and software development companies and web development companies or engineers uh, who have like small teams and stuff like that. Uh, don't waste your time because you're actually putting yourself in the can with, uh, with, with people who are your competitors mostly. And even if you happen to squeeze yourself into a small group of people who talk about something and there's one potential prospect there, well, guess why those, you know, those other people are talking to, to that prospect right now because they think that it, you know, he or she is their prospect. Now you're squeezing yourself into that group and you start you know, giggling and talking uh, just like you were part of the group, fine. But then how are you going to establish the initial relationship? Well, that's what all my content is going to be about, right? I mean, I'm starting strong and I, I'm, I'm posting regularly about the same thing. How can you build a relationship? How can you convert the relationship into a, uh, into a relationship that starts producing cash? And that's the most important part here. Uh, in order to uh, and I mean, we're, we're only talking about VIP stuff here, right? I mean, just 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 so you, you understand, we're not talking about small potatoes like, oh, I actually have a you know a, a five bucks that my previous Indian company left uh, me with, so I need someone to look into those bugs and, and and fix them. We're not talking about that stuff because you know, I mean, that stuff is not interesting. It's not sustainable. It's not long term. It's not strategic. So I don't, I don't give a shit about that stuff. If you do, I mean, this is probably the wrong podcast for you. But if you want to understand how to build relationships in the US with US companies, VIP companies, then well, this is the right place. So I'm telling you that those events, uh, they might be good uh, if you, uh, you know, if, if you manage to get a one on one 
which almost never happens, but I mean, if you manage to, and then you're so impressive that the person would, you know, would love to talk to you again. But you see, the problem here is that in order to be impressive, you can't be generic. You have to really understand what the person that you're addressing, uh, what the person that you're trying to talk to, what the person is going through right now, what issues uh, his or her company is going through, what's going on in the industry. And all that stuff usually requires homework and analysis and a lot of preparation. You can't do that during the, you know, the same networking event that you're attending. You could do that beforehand, but then uh, you know, if you come prepared like 100% prepared and you talk about that stuff, it just might not be the right time for the person because, you know, the span of attention during those conferences and events is usually really short. Like people can't really talk to you about deep, you know, deep stuff. Just want to talk about the topic that they, you know, talked about or, you know, just want to talk, just want to chat, you know, have a small talk, you know, stuff like that. They're mostly like, you have to understand always, you have to understand why the person is is it, you know, is, is there at this moment? Uh, I mean, you understand why you go there because you're fishing for, you know, for uh, a victim, right? For a prospect, you're fishing for a contract eventually. But you're not trying to build a relationship with that person because that person will see you talk to all other people. I mean, you're not going to talk to one person, right? I mean, if the panel is 20 people, they will see you talk to other people and they will understand that you're just, you know, you're just fishing, you're just casting a net. So and that's fine. But it's not going to help you build, you know, those intimate uh, personal relationships with the prospect. And that's the only way to do it, right? That's the only way to build a relationship with someone. Uh, so if you don't do that, I'm like, if you if you are unable to do that, and we just discovered that you can't because, you know, there's it's not the right situation, you also need to understand why those people actually attend those things. Well, first thing, they get paid. Second thing, uh, they promote their, uh, you know, VC fund, for example. They, they promote their own product. Or, uh, you know, they, they just get publicity, right? They're not there to look for developers. They're not there to look for engineers. They're not there to look for other products in the industry to, uh, you know, to be pitched to them. Like, they're not there for those reasons. So they're happy to talk about their talk, but everyone's talking to them about the talk. It's like, you know, just to... It, let, let me describe this real, you know, re, real, real simple. Imagine if you have come up with the perfect, e no, if you read a, an article, right? You read an article uh, from someone uh, who you are interested in working with. Uh, you read the article and the article resonated with you and, and you have a, you know, a very clever comment. And then you decide to not post that com comment, but to send that comment in a direct message, right? Send an email to the person. You know, let's say you happen to have an email of the person. You just want to send that comment. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you're so inspired that you expand on the comment and you give some, you know, ideas and maybe you, you actually have some value, right? Uh, and it's clear that you're, you know, you've read the article. It's clear that you understand the topic. It's clear that you have something to offer. Uh, and imagine that you do that, but imagine that at the same time, at the same moment, and that's very important, the same second, the same, within the same hour, that person receives 40 more emails just like yours, 40 more. And it would be fine if uh, all those 40 emails 
uh, you know, would, would arrive at different times, but they all arrive at the same time within the same hour. So tell me, what do you think? How different would it make your email? And how difficult would it be for you to actually stand out when you have 40 other competitors talking to your prospect about the same stuff, maybe in a different wording, but it's not a wording contest. It's who can impress and who can be, you know, a deeper learner, who can be a more impressive, uh, well, I don't know, like a person to that prospect. And then it's a fucking contest. Why would you want to put yourself in a contest situation? Like the, the main rule of business is find the area which is less populated than other areas, populated by your competitors, meaning uh, find an area where you, ha- where you don't have competitors. Like all, uh, all, all investors are processing all pitches through this one basic thing. Does this industry, I mean, is this industry saturated? How many competitors do we have? And the fewer competitors we have, the better. No competitors, perfect. I mean, you are on top of the list right away. So when you go to those events in San Francisco, you're putting yourself in the situation when you're surrounded by your competitors and you can't uh, build any personal intimate relationships with your prospect. All you can achieve there is getting a business card and taking a selfie. And putting that on social media and, uh, you know, boost your ego by your friends liking your photo and saying, mm, congrats, uh, lucky you, bastard, I wish I was there and all this shit. But I mean, tomorrow is a new day, you wake up and nothing happens, right? So instead, you could, you, you know, you could have saved money and, uh, you know, you could have, you know, you could have just emailed that person uh, on a random day, not on the day of the conference, because you know, because you're smart and you're listening to my podcast that on that day, that person probably got pitched 40 plus times uh, by your competitors and you know he or she was hearing the same thing over and over again. So the first thing is that clients will not be stopping you in the streets and they will not be asking you to sign contracts right there because that's just fucking nonsense. Well, second thing that everyone thinks will happen as soon as they set their foot in the city is that all major company CEOs will be notified about your plane landing way before you arrive and everyone will be waiting for you. It's part of the first, uh, first thing that, that we just talked about. Uh, but it, you know, it, it's better described by the feeling that a lot of people, uh, have for whatever reason, I don't know, uh, that if they decide to go, like it took them so much and it took so much energy to decide to finally go to San Francisco that the entire world, the, the universe owes you something. And not just that, but the entire universe will make all the, all the people in the area uh, owe you something, owe you their time and their attention and their willingness to, to work with you and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, th- there's a there's a good phrase by, uh, and I I know it's true for a lot of Ukrainians. I'm not, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the same in Russia, same in Belarusia, and I'm pretty sure that you know a lot of Western Eastern Europeans would probably have the same, you know, kind of a like maybe a different version of this phrase, but same meaning. Uh, when you ask someone who uh, who's afraid to move. Like if you have somebody living in the city that you were born in and now you're ready to move away and you're asking the person who is not ready and who was scared to move, you're asking like, 
why wouldn't you want to move to, let's say, San Francisco? One of the most typical answers a lot of people would give you in Ukraine is, ah, what am I going to do there? Who's waiting for me there? <laughs> so this notion that somebody needs to be waiting for you somewhere, and if that someone is actually waiting for you, then you might think of, uh, you know, you might entertain the idea of actually moving there is ridiculous, of course, because it puts you right away in a position of a victim, uh, in, a, in a passive position of a person who is not capable of making any serious decisions and into, into a position of a person who thinks that the world owes you something. And world owes you shit, obviously. And of course, no major CEOs of no companies will be notified about you setting your foot in the city. Nobody gives a shit about you. You're nothing. And understanding that you're nothing is really, really important when you go to a city like San Francisco or New York or LA. Oh, I mean, LA is less, um, less of an interesting uh, city for, for tech professionals. But although a lot of tech companies are moving there to Silicon Beach, but that's a separate topic. Uh, New York and San Francisco, Dallas, uh, Austin, Seattle, uh, well, a little bit of Portland, I guess. But uh, those are hubs, right? Those are hubs that you know most tech professionals think about. Surprisingly, those, th those cities also represent you know, massive conglomerates of uh, immigrants and uh, financial wealth and all this stuff. I mean, they're just big cities, right? Nobody's thinking about, you know, moving to Tulsa, Oklahoma, but well, they should actually, there's great opportunity there for, you know, a lot of tech companies, but well, that's a separate topic again, or well, maybe we'll be part of this podcast. Well, keep listening. So nobody's waiting for you. And that's great because, uh, I mean, we all have our own fate. We all make our own destiny and this is your chance. But don't expect, uh, don't expect companies to to wait for you. And here's a real example of this notion. Like you, you might be saying now, well, of course I know that nobody's waiting for me. It's fine. But I'm, you know, let me tell you, uh, I'm pretty sure that a lot of software developers, a lot of app development companies, actually uh, came across the idea of spamming, uh, let's say San Francisco or any other locale. Uh, San Francisco CEO, I know I'm getting those emails every day, like saying, dear Mr. Alex or dear Alex, uh, me and my colleagues or Mr. blah, 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 will be traveling uh, through San Francisco or will be in San Francisco for five days since, you know, like from July, you know, 15th to July 25th and would love to have lunch with you and talk about possible collaboration. And the answer to that email, I mean, of course, I don't answer those emails, but the, in my head, the answer to the email is, fuck you. And you should understand that just because you travel through the city, and I mean, in most cases, it's a lie, but even if you do not, you know, if you, even if it's true and you're traveling through the city, it's a big deal for you, but for me or for any other CEO, it's like nothing happened. Nothing happened. So uh, try to find a different approach because just your, I mean, ju just, just the fact that you're traveling through this, through my city and you would love to have lunch with me, like all that stuff is about you. I don't give a shit about you. I don't know nothing about you, right? I know nothing about you. Like why, why bother telling me about your plans? It's like, you know, just stopping someone randomly in the street and telling them, hey, by the way, I'm traveling through New York next week. I'll be there for five days and I want to have lunch with the CEO of Sony Entertainment. Okay. 
uh, by. <laughs> so it's 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 that thing, okay? Nobody's waiting for you. And the third thing uh, that uh, a lot of people think you know that will happen to them is most of that stuff is about product development. Uh, just by breathing that magical California air, you will be able to achieve anything. Well, this is partially true. There is something magical in the air, especially in LA, and especially around the Haight-Ashbury area. That's where they sell pot. But trust me, this is all BS. I fell in love with the city as city. It's beauty. Uh, it's, well, that's it. But professionally, unless you seek to get employed, there's absolutely nothing there's absolutely no logical sense. Why would you want to you know, surround yourself with thousands of your competitors and pay a premium in everything you touch and see? So, yeah, if you want to get employed, I mean, you better negotiate those things beforehand, right? And then you move to the city and then you really have a very short layover. Uh, I mean, you don't have a lot of time because you your cash is probably not unlimited. And the city is really expensive. I mean, it like it's really expensive. Everything is super expensive. I mean, if you have a car, especially, and you park in the wrong place, boom, seventy-five dollars right there. It's it's just you know amazing. Like parking itself is really is really uh, expensive too. Just you know, regular people, right? To people who are you know uh, living from paycheck to paycheck. And if you want to get employed in San Francisco, that's exactly how you're going to feel. You're not going to be. Uh, the only reason why you, why you would want to be employed as an engineer in San Francisco is to become a senior engineer, and then you're making I don't know somewhere like around three hundred thousand or something per year, which sounds like fuck me, that's so much. But trust me, you I mean the city will find a way to get all that money out of you. Well, and the IRS will help. So don't get really you know don't get too too, too encouraged about that. Uh, working for somebody, working for someone else is always going to be a fucking pain in the ass. It's always going to be a rape and it's always going to be a ripoff. Uh, unless you work, uh, you know, for a company, you know, that is, you know, super awesome and they have really, really big bonuses and like millions of dollars and stuff like that, then you can get rich. But I mean, those examples are very, very rare. So, um, and it's a verified fact. It's hard to sell tech services to tech companies. Like, this is the most ridiculous thing, right? You're going to San Francisco. You're going to the tech hub of the world to sell your tech services. It's like, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, if, if I were to go to, to Rome to, uh, you know, and I would go to all the pizzerias and I would be trying to sell them dough or I would be selling them, you know, ready-to-go pizzas or pizzas out of the box. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Or, you know, selling croissants to French or selling, uh, well, they say like ice to Eskimos. Well, that's, that's a different, different story. But basically, the, you know, the tech hub is a magnet, right? It attracts you. It's great. But you need to understand why you want to be in the city. And, I mean, honestly, the only, the only uh, reason I, I can find is if you want to get employed, that's it. But if you as a company want to be in the city for, I mean, if you as a startup want to be in the city, it's fine as long as you find your investor in the city. And that's possible. Yeah. Uh, but if you're a service provider going to San Francisco, what for? 
If you're a service provider, for instance, you develop apps or .NET systems, your best bet is outside of San Francisco where services like yours are scarce. Try emailing prospects in Phoenix, uh, Sacramento, Charleston, Stanford. Being around Stanford, not Stanford, right? Stanford, Connecticut. Being around the tech companies only makes sense if you want to either sell them something, like a sauce product, serve, uh, software as a service product, or get employed by them, you're a programmer, or steal people from them, you're an aggressive startup. That's it. Everything else can be done remotely and should be done remotely, uh, to be honest, and with companies far away from the Silicon Valley. So breathe in, breathe out, relax, and now Get back to work. Keep building those relationships. That's work. Keep working on those relationships. They take time, but they will pay off. Okay, perfect. Hope this episode made you generate a ton of interesting thoughts and ideas and you had fun because I certainly have. And if you have too, be a responsible listener and subscribe to my podcast feel free to leave a comment and hit that like button. If you decide to share this episode with your precious social following, oh man, that would make my day. I really do so appreciate your time here. Please let me know if there is anything I can do for you. Love to help in any way. And again, so appreciate your support. 